Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Luke 23, verse 33, it says, When they had come to the place called Calvary, you're good, Mike. When they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and they cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him and coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse 43, and Jesus answered him and said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour that there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth. And the sun was darkened. The veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus cried, with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. In John, in, in, verse, in chapter 19 and verse 30, John adds the, the addition here that when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It, it, can you just say that with me? It is finished. Amen. We've, we've been taking a look at the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross uh, this Easter season, and here we find, we, we, we turn from Jesus, the suffering Savior, we turn from the one who has been crying out in, in, in agony to the one who is now proclaiming out in victory, the one who is shouting out, declaring out a redemptive victory. It is finished. These weren't the words of, of a man that this was the end of a worn-out life. This wasn't just someone who had uh, breathed, breathed his last gasp of air, was dying. This was a victorious declaration. It is finished. What I came to accomplish is done. Victory was won at the cross for you and I. Victory over sin. In those words, it is finished. It's one word in the in the Greek, but in our English, it's you know it's multiple. But it is finished. In those words, your victory was purchased. In those words, your healing was paid for. In those words, your forgiveness was purchased. In those words, every area of your life, victory was purchased. It is finished. Death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You have been swallowed up in victory. The Bible says that death and the, the sting of death, the sting of the grave was swallowed up in Christ, swallowed up. Thanks be unto Christ who gives us victory. 
He accomplished atonement for you and I. Christ made this sacrifice. He proclaimed it is finished for our atonement. What does that mean, our atonement? He paid the price for your sin. Christ took on himself. Look this way. Christ took on himself your sin. The cost of your sin was laid on Christ at Calvary. And he proclaimed it is finished finished. There's no need for you to continue on carrying that addiction. There's no need for you carrying on in that sin and that depravity. There's no need for you to carry on in the, in the bondage of the slavery of that sin. He paid. He paid the price. He paid the ultimate price with his life so that you can be free. There's not one sin. There's nothing There's absolutely nothing that the power of Christ, those words, it is finished, can't redeem. Christ became a curse for you and he broke the curse of the law. He's breaking the curse of sin off of your life. The Bible says in Luke 19.10, Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and to save that were lost. He came with the purpose of looking for you. He came looking for you in your sin. He came looking for you in your depravity. You know, we all try to fill our lives with with success, relationships, whatever it is, we we try to fill our lives with things that we think will satisfy us. But Jesus came with the intention of finding you, looking for you, finding you in that mess, finding you in your pit of despair, and redeeming you, purchasing you out of that mess. He came with a purpose. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. He came to take away the sin of the world. 1 Timothy 1.15, that he came to take away the sin of the world. The, the curse of that sin is broken in Christ. And you and I can be adopted in. You know, we don't deserve to be adopted in. We don't, we don't deserve to be Christ. But here he comes looking for us. He walks, as it were, into the adoption agency and says, you're mine. I've chosen you. I've handpicked you. You are mine. I am paying the price for you. And I'm bringing you, I'm restoring you to relationship with my Father. Christ came to bridge that gap. He came to obliterate the curse of sin. And on the cross, he cries out those words, it is finished. Those words, it is finished. The process is complete. The final step in this process to bring you to victory is finished. When he... When he cried out those words, it is finished. It wasn't just the the nails going into the cross that finished the work. It wasn't the it wasn't the spear in the side of Jesus that finished the work. It wasn't the sign above his head that finished the work. It wasn't the it wasn't at the hands of the Roman soldiers. It wasn't at the hands of evil men. It was Christ who willingly laid down his life and in that moment declared it is finished. I have accomplished what I have set out to do. Your sins are forgiven. Redemption has come. The price has been paid. I've become your sacrifice. I have willingly, Christ willingly laid down his life for you. And he paid for your wholeness. He paid for your adoption. He made redemption with his life. He paid the price with his life, and he paid for your wholeness. 
every part of your life can be made whole. He wants to make every part of you complete. He wants to make every part of your life complete. Not just spiritually. Oh yeah, He wants to make you spiritually whole. But, but not just spiritually. He wants to make you all, every bit, complete. Your emotions. He wants to make your emotions complete. He wants to make your mind complete. He wants to make your finances complete. He wants to make your relationships complete. He wants to make your health complete. Every aspect of your life. In Isaiah 53, we get a great picture. We capture this great picture of the wholeness that God wants to bring in your life. When he proclaimed, it is finished, here's what he was doing. Isaiah 53, surely, everybody say surely. Certainly. Certainly he has borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. That word, that word grief, is, it means an emotional or a physical affliction. If you're suffering today with emotional or physical afflictions, He, Christ, is declaring over you, it is finished. It is finished. Whatever that physical affliction is, whatever that mental or emotional affliction is, Christ is declaring over your life today that whatever it is, is finished. It is finished. Deuteronomy 7.15 says the Lord will take away all sickness from you. All sickness. Think about the woman with the issue of blood who had been suffering for 12 years. She spent all that she had and only grew worse. Have you been there? Maybe you're there today. You've, you've tried and tried and tried and tried again. And it seems like the problem is only getting worse. But she said within herself, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get close enough, I don't even have to have a conversation with him. I don't have to, I don't have, to have a, a, a hug from him. If I can just get the bottom of his garment, there's enough power in Christ that I can be made whole. And today I don't know what circumstance or affliction that you're facing, but if you could just get a hold of Jesus, it doesn't even have to uh, be anything significant. Just get a hold of him. Just get a hold of Jesus today. Maybe it's one word that you hear today. Maybe it's that, like Tony, it was the word all. It Maybe, maybe that word all will leap on the inside of you today, and, and faith will rise up in your heart, and you know that God is able to heal all diseases. He's able to remove all affliction. There's nothing too difficult for him. So if you're suffering today with a, an emotional or mental grief, maybe there's an affliction that's coming against you, like that woman with the issue of blood. Get a hold of Jesus. And I love, she came fearing and trembling, and she fell down before him. You know, she falls before Jesus. The power of God is flowing through her body, and she, she can't physically 
she can't physically stay standing from the result, the effects of the power of God touching her. And she comes, she falls shaking. She's literally shaking before him, falls before him. And, and what happened? She's made whole. She had been made whole, and she, she, she shares her story. She shares her testimony of how Christ had made her whole. He's carried our sorrows. That word sorrows is mental or physical pain. He's carried your sorrows. Exodus 3, 7 says the Lord's, he says of this, of his people, the Israelites in Egypt. He said, the Lord's. The Lord said, I have surely seen what their afflictions. I've seen their afflictions. And I know their sorrows. The Lord has seen your afflictions. And he knows your sorrows. He's acquainted with your griefs. He knows what troubles your heart today. He knows what circumstances you're facing. And how did he respond? In Exodus 3 verse 8 says, I have come down to deliver them. I have come. God has come down today. Christ has come down today for your healing, for your wholeness. If there's an emotional pain, if there's trouble going on in your heart today, Christ has come to bring restoration to you. I think about the demoniac, the, the Gadarene demoniac. Here's a man who is possessed with demons, legion, thousands, hundreds of demons. He's, he can't be controlled. He's they, the chains they put on him, or he's breaking, they put him out. He's the reject of society. They put him out on the, uh, on the backside of the cemetery. Leave us alone. Go, go meddle with the demons in the cemetery. Leave us alone. He was rejected. Nobody understood what was going on with him. They just wanted to drug him. They just wanted to put him away. Maybe I'm talking to somebody today. You, maybe you feel like you're the reject, like, like nobody understands, nobody cares. Maybe, maybe your friends have left you. Maybe your family's forsaken you. This was the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Nobody wanted him. But Jesus made a point to go where he was. Jesus made a point to go to the cemetery to meet the demoniac so that he could be set free. Yeah, your demons don't scare Jesus. <laughs> your issues don't scare him. He hasn't rejected you. He hasn't left you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He wants to make you whole. He wants to redeem you and set you free. And the demoniac became the great testimony of the delivering power of Christ. No longer was he bound by physical chains to a cemetery, but the resurrection, life of Christ was flowing through him. And he was bound with a, with a uh, like, like Paul, he was bound as a bondservant to Christ and became a living epistle, became a living testimony, became a living letter of the power of Christ that sets the captives free. Today, if you're finding yourself in bondage, today, if you're finding yourself carrying sorrows of your past, rejection and hurt, maybe someone's let you down, maybe they've hurt you, maybe someone's offended you. No, ne never in church would anybody ever offend you. Maybe, maybe somebody said something that hurt you or let you down. But Christ, but Christ can carry those sorrows 
and remove them as far as the east is from the west. Yeah, he's come. God's come to remove your pain. God's come to remove your pain. And he was pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions. Does anybody have transgressions this morning? Anybody have sins this morning? Psalms 32, 5 says, I have acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David was acquainted with, with sin. David was acquainted with the love of, of God. David was acquainted with the presence of God. David was acquainted with the worship of God. But, oh, David was very familiar with this. Remember, he was the adulterer. Remember, he was the murderer. He had his uh, adulterous affair, the husband of, of that woman killed, and he suffered the consequences of David was familiar with sin. But he cried out in, in the midst of his sin, Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, would you have mercy on me? Search my heart, O God. Know my thoughts. Cleanse me. Purge me, God. Yeah, there is not one sin that God's not able to forgive. You might feel today that you are far removed from the grace. How could God ever have grace on you? But there is forgiveness for every transgression at the cross. It is finished. That sin that holds, holds you captive, it is finished. Drug addiction can be broken at the cross. Pornography can be broken at the cross. Dependency on relationships can be broken at the cross. The need for success in this life, driven by earthly success and pride and ego, can be broken at the cross. The sins of this life. The, the question is, are you willing for him to carry your sin? Are you willing for him to carry your sorrows? Are you willing? Yeah, he, he, he did it willingly. He did it willingly. But a lot of times we want to hold on to it. He did it willingly. He laid down his life willingly. But we want to hold on to it. We want to hold on to our sin. It makes us feel comfortable. Well, I know that. I know the feeling of that sin. It's his presence I'm unfamiliar with in that area. So I'd rather have the sin because his presence is uncomfortable. See, when his presence comes, it demands change. When you, see, when you see Christ on the cross, it means that change has to happen. It means that he has to make you whole. If you, if you allow him to carry your sorrows, it means you can't have them anymore. If you allow him to carry your sin, it means that you can't have it anymore. It means it's finished, right? It means it's finished. You can't have it. It means it has to be replaced with his presence. It has to be replaced with his love. It has to be replaced with his goodness. And that's uncomfortable. We, we like our sin. We like our comfort. We just rather, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message in a couple weeks, cruise control is the enemy for increase. We just, we just want to stay on cruise control. I, I like my comfort. 
I don't, I don't want to go any further in God. I don't want to go any further in his presence. I don't want to dig deeper in his word. If I get deeper in his word, that means truth is going to illuminate my heart, and that means change has to happen, right? He carried your sorrows. He was pierced for your transgressions. He was pierced for your transgressions. Can you imagine the, this woman, if you can rewind the time clock, this woman that was caught in adultery? Here she is, caught in the act. You have a bunch of religious leaders that are trying to kill her. I, my question is, where's the other man? Where's the one she was caught in the act with? We don't see him in the scene. The religious leaders were okay with the man doing his thing. Oh, I'll get off of that. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. Men are always looking to get a pass. Mm -mm. Anyway, I'll move on. I'll move on. She's caught in the act. The religious leaders are trying to kill her. They want her dead. She broke the law. And Jesus, what does he want to do? He wants to build a sandcastle. <laughs> he gets down in the dirt. They're, they're looking to kill her. And Jesus is playing in the dirt. Isn't that just like Jesus sometimes? When you need a breakthrough and you need a miracle and your life is on the line, you feel like all he wants to do is play in the dirt. But there's a lesson that's learned. You see, the, the point was, and I don't think I'm exaggerating scripture here when I say this, Jesus needed to get this woman's eyes off of her accusers. He needed to get her eyes off of what she had done and needed to get her eyes on him. She needed to get out of the, the place of distraction and fix her eyes on Christ. Get your eyes off of your accusers. Get your eyes off of your past. Get your eyes off of coulda, coulda, shouldas, and all the regrets, and get alone with Jesus while he builds sandcastles in your life. The Bible says he does, he does this thing, and he raises himself up. The word that's used there when he raises himself up, the word in the Greek is the word anakupto. It means to be raised up like the ocean swells with joy. When, when God... When, when Jesus was there playing and he raised himself up, he looked up with joy at this woman. God's looking today through eyes of joy at you. We think that God's looking through the eyes of the accuser. But he's not. He's not looking at you today with the eyes of the accuser. Remember that the enemy is the what? Accuser of the brethren. God's not looking at you with the eyes of accusation. He's looking at you through eyes of joy. Because he sees in you 
his own glory. It's not any worth that you bring. It's not any, you are but the dust of the ground. It's not any, it's not any. Jesus saw in that dirt what he saw in that woman. He was there the day that that dirt was made. He was, de- he was there the day that life was breathed into that dirt. He was there that day that that woman had life breathed into her nostrils. He was there that day when, when that woman who was but the dirt, the dust of the ground, had life breathed into her. And it, it just reminded him of, you might be the dirt of the ground, but I'm still looking at you with joy. You might be the dust of the earth, and to dust you will return. But I'm looking at you with eyes of joy today. I can redeem you. I'll heal you. And what did he say? Go and sin no more. It is finished. It is finished. You don't have to carry your sin. The transgressions of your life were pierced at Calvary. And then it says the iniquities. He carried the iniquities. This word translated as the punishment or the cost of sin. He carried the cost of your sin. Not only did he carry your sin, but he carried the cost of your sin. Your, your sin. The Bible says that the wages, the earnings, the cost. Everybody say cost. The cost of your sin deserves death. Romans 6.23, that the cost of your sin deserves death. But in Christ we find eternal life. And 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is not an emotion. God is not an emotion. The essence of God is love. His essence is love. His nature is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God, how was How was it made manifest? How did we see the love of God? John tells us, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He became the payment for our sins. That word propitiation. He became the payment. How do we know the love of God? When you behold the illustrious one. (laughs) When you behold Christ, the conquering king. When you look at Christ, you see the love of God. When you look at him on the cross declaring, it is finished. You see the majestic nature of God's love towards us. Oh, I didn't deserve the love of God. I didn't deserve such love. I didn't deserve the immensity of his love. Paul said, I want you to know the expanse. I want you to know the height. I want you to know the depths of this love. When he said no, he meant I want you to know it by experience. When he wrote about it in Ephesians, I want you to know by experience this love. I didn't deserve that. But in Christ, I can experience the depths of his love. In Christ, how do we know this love? Christ came. He was the manifestation of God's love towards us. And why did this love come? So that you and I can live. Say that. Slap your neighbor. Say, God wants you to live. Give it. Come on. You can do better than that. Slap him good. 
God wants you to live. He wants you to live. He wants your finances to live. He wants your health to live. He wants your family to live. He wants every part. I've come that they might have life, that they might have life, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to live. <laughs> live. You need to lay hands on yourself. Say, live. <laughs> I will not die, but I will live. His love, how great his love, how great his love that you and I could live in Christ. Now the chastisement, I, I got to hurry. This, this chastisement, he was corrected so you could have peace. You know, when we think of correction, we don't really think about peace. <laughs> when, when, you, when you start talking to me about correction, being corrected, I don't usually think peace. I think strife. I think anger. <laughs> Especially, you know, when you, as a pastor, you have to correct people. My first thought is, oh, my goodness, how are they going to respond? Right? We don't like correction. Christ was corrected for you to have peace. What in your life is out of the line that's keeping you from having peace? The Bible says in Isaiah that God will keep a perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you. So if we're trusting in God and we can have perfect peace, it's in the word. It's in his word. We can have it. If it's in his word, you can have it. You can have perfect peace. I said, <clears throat> I said you can have perfect peace. You don't have to be in turmoil. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be discouraged or fearful or anxious. You can have perfect peace. Don't give me your sob story about, well, Pastor, you just don't know what I've been through. Listen, we all go through things, and there are seasons. We pass through those seasons. We don't camp out there. As believers, we don't camp out at depression. As believers, we don't camp out at sickness. As believers, we don't camp out at hurt and anxiety and fear and all those things. Good preaching, Pastor. Amen. He wants you to be at perfect peace. He's corrected so that you can have peace. What is that word peace there? Is the word shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. If you want it, shalom's a big word. It's a, you know, it's a small word, but the definition's big. That's what I meant. It's a big word. The definition of what it, what it means, it means a lot in Hebrew. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. He wants you to be in welfare, health, wholeness, peace, friendship, be it tranquility, safety, Wants you to have soundness of mind and body, harmony, prosperity. Shall I keep going? These are this is shalom. This is the life that Christ paid for for you. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And by his wounds, by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. Through his wounds, healing is flowing. Through his wounds, healing is flowing. Through those nail scars, 
healing is still flowing. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I'll say it again. The only man-made thing in heaven is those scars. Jesus could have chosen at that resurrection to have his body completely restored, completely whole. But, but we see after his resurrection, what remained was the scars of his crucifixion. There's, there's only one thing that you and I will remember for eternity. We'll see for eternity. Yeah, we won't remember this life. We won't remember all of the details and the, and the sob stories and the agonies and all. We'll forget about all of that eternity after eternity after eternity. But the one thing of this life that you and I will remember and we'll see forever and ever and ever and ever are the scars, the nails, and the hands, and the feet of Jesus who was able to say for you and I, it is finished. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.